Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Welcome to the jungle. My name is Jim Rome. I am where I always am. Smack dab in the middle of Southern California. Welcome to the show. We are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current home, Rocket can. All right, nice to be here. Good Thursday to you. Open phones in hour number one. Lots to get to. one 636 8686 Take advantage of it. Open phones, hour one. I got to admit, I got to be straight. I got to be real. I've got more vacation time coming up soon. So you want to get in right now. Because once I do that, then I'm back. We're into the fall. We're into the NFL. And you can't get rid of me. But... Hit me up right now, one 636 8686 We spent the better part of yesterday talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Wisconsin came up in here. We had every single town from that great state representing. If you were not able to get through yesterday, you want to take a shot today, go right ahead. I will move on to some other things, but we are still talking all things Wisconsin. The Bucks are world champs. In addition to that, other NFL news, some other NBA news, some Major League Baseball, and more. In terms of the interviews, coming up in hour number two, I've got a DB with the Chicago Bears, Jalen Johnson. Also in hour number two, Darius Butler, co-host of the Man to Man pod. I am efforting a third guest. I've got him, but not a time. I just don't want to jinx it. Hit me up on Twitter at Jim Rome. Email me at Rome, R-O-M-E, at havetake.com. Those are the best ways to get through. If you want to do it on the phones, get through the new cat, Tommy. The old cat, Rit. Hey, Rit, you have not engaged me yet today. What's up, man? You all right, dude? Thank you. Hello. He just hit me with a hello. Hello, old man. What's cracking, old man? Got this thing about the show. I make it very clear to everybody who works here. In the morning when we come in, no matter how early it is, you all say hello. Good morning. What's going on? Let me know. I want that energy. I want that positive attitude. Rit normally is good like that. This is the first I've seen a Rit all morning. It tells you how important he is to me in this show, that I haven't even engaged the guy yet, and I'm on the air. Sorry about that, old man. Quote, hello. No, hello, Garrett. Dude, dude, now. All right, so speaking of old men, it's been a minute or two since the world has heard from Jerry Jones. And you know that that was killing Jera. So yesterday, Jera fixed that. You see, the thing about Jerry Jones is you never know what you're going to get from him when he gets in front of a mic or a camera or a tape recorder or a notepad or anything that can actually transmit his thoughts to the rest of the world. Because it always feels like there's really nothing between this guy's thoughts and his mouth. Nothing that says, hey, maybe. Maybe you don't want to say that. That's how we end up with him talking about circumcising a mosquito. You don't have to spend a lot of time going over and getting uh, uh, kind of circumcising the mosquito. Uh, you don't have to do that. Yeah, no, you don't have to do that. In fact, nobody does that. Never in the history of the world has a mosquito been circumcised. Like, I don't even know where that came from. Circumcising but, the mosquito. Right. That's what I mean. Like, there is no filter. There's nothing between his head and his mouth. Or like that one time he turned the Dak Prescott-Ezekiel Elliott contract negotiations into some sort of slash horror flick. Picture if you were a driver of a car and you had a wreck and your hand was almost severed off 
but you didn't understand your anatomy. You look down, you're spurting blood, you open the door and run to the woods and either die bleeding to death or shot. The educated man looks down, knows his anatomy, squeezes and knows his best chance is to wait for help. That's because he's been there a lot and done it. And so I'm waiting, I'm squeezing and uh, waiting for help. You're the best, Alvy. Or how about that time he was talking about choosing Mike McCarthy because he heard bells. My sister explained to my dad one time when she was explaining why she wanted to divorce. And dad loved her husband and he said, what's gotten into you? And she said, I don't hear bells. He said, bells? I hadn't heard bells for the last 30 years. What's that got to do with it? <laughs> the bottom line is, I heard bells. <laughs> Good one, Jared. Man, my man's so funny. Now, I'm not here to play the greatest hits. There is more. Like I said, it had been a minute or two since we've heard from him, so he had to be thinking, man, how do I get, how do I get people to look at me or talk about me or react to me? So yesterday he got to talking once again, this time talking about how badly he wants to win a Super Bowl. I'd do anything known to man to get in a Super Bowl. That's a fact. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it is, honestly. I don't know that that is a fact. I like the sentiment, but if you had told him that he had to, for instance, actually hire an actual general manager, an actual personnel department in order to win a Super Bowl, I'm not sure he'd be up for that. So I'm not sure I'm going to accept what he just said. But I'm not going to stop the man who is about to go on a rant. So why don't we just sit back and enjoy a rant that includes a baseball reference, a possible hockey reference, a pony, and his complete philosophy on life. I've always had to be pragmatic at the end of the day because if not, you'll end up on the outside looking in. You have to be real. But on the other hand, I've never thought that we couldn't be better or never thought that we couldn't make it happen even when we were not as on paper or we weren't as technically as uh, good or sound uh, but I've never thought that and uh, and I've got too many examples of how shorthanded people have knocked them out of the park before and a lot of them in a lot of different areas and so I really don't know that uh, uh, I have any days or have any weeks, but what I don't think there's a pony in here somewhere. And so uh, I have a lot of the days when you've got to ask yourself is what's what are you doing in the middle of this? So that served me well. Uh, this isn't an I me, but uh, I've had a lot of people tell me you're naive and or say that he's naive. Well, it's a beautiful world. It's a better world to be naive than to be uh, uh, skeptical and be uh, negative all the time. So my reaction to that is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Yeah! How you feeling, Cowboy fan? How you feeling, Cowboy fan? That's the guy calling the shots. That's what he thinks. That's his plan for getting to and winning a Super Bowl. I mean, sure, it may seem like last year with Mike McCarthy was an utter disaster. And the last thing you want to do is see him run that back again. But listen, my man's got a plan now. And that plan includes all that stuff that he just puked up. I mean, the hell is that old dude even talking about? Hearing all of that, I just put myself into concussion protocol. I mean, I feel like I've got brain damage 
And I've never even put on a bonnet before. But then things took a turn. And that's the beauty of Jarrah. They always do. There are always two rules when Jarrah speaks. One, he wants attention. Two, you never know what he's going to say to get that attention. And then yesterday, he threw everybody a curveball. My man broke off a bender that Clayton Kershaw himself would be proud to call his own. Jungle legend Barry Zito cannot believe this hook. Neither can Burt Blylevin back in the day. Because you like that one, huh? Burt Blylevin. My man was talking about two of my favorite guys ever. You want to talk about a hook. You want to talk about a curveball. My man Jarrah got around to talking about two of my favorite people ever. Barry Switzer and Jimmy Johnson. And frankly, it was incredible. And so when I look back at the time that we got to enjoy and what happened to us during that time, uh, I uh, uh, go back to uh, uh, what Barry Switzer said. Barry Switzer came in the uh, the office and uh, Jimmy had just left. And so Barry came down from Norman, Oklahoma to talk about getting the job. And he comes in and he said, where's Jimmy? Now Barry had coached us both. He said, where's Jimmy? And I said, Jimmy's gone. He said, well, that's not right. Get him. Get him in here. I said, where's Jimmy? I said, Barry, Jimmy's gone. We're sitting here talking about you being the coach. I said, what in the world are you so anxious to talk to Jimmy about? He said, I just wanted to get both you little ass on this couch and ask you both, how could you this up? <laughs> that was Switzer. <laughs> Tell you what, old man, that is amazing. I love every part of that story. I love the idea that Barry Switzer was coming in to take over as head coach of the Cowboys. But first of all, he himself wanted to get Jimma and Jarrah together. He wanted to, quote, get both you little a-holes on this couch and ask you both, how could you F this up? How could you this up? <laughs> That's the bootlegger's boy if you need him. That is one of the most Barry Switzer stories ever. And there are a lot of Barry Switzer stories, and they're all amazing. And then Jarrah was asked what he thinks of that now. And then he started to play it off a little bit, and then he got deep. Well, I just think of those great times. And Jimmy's great coach, great coach, and uh, ridiculous that uh, my role here was my job to keep it together. It was my job. It should have deference, should have had deference to something that was working good. So those are the things that come to my mind. We had a great run of it. Uh, he's a great coach, and I'm uh, proud to have him as a friend and proud to have had the times that we had. We, we, uh, we just had a great experience. Wait, what? Holy crap. Am I losing it, or did Jarrah just start to lose it? Did my man get all dusty at the end of that? Did my man uh, get all emotional at the end of that? Was he near tears? This is amazing. We we just had a great experience. Holy crap. I mean, it sounds like, dude, are you all right? I mean, you're not sick. It sounds like one of those things where a guy's lying in bed near the end and thinking back over his life and the regrets. I mean, my man choked the hell up. How dusty does he get right there? Alvin, one more time. We uh, we just had a great experience.
Wow. Then he was asked if he could answer Barry's question from back in the day. Here was the response. I've never been able to know why uh, I f***ed it up. My man's just letting F-bombs fly. I've never been able to know why I F'd it up. I've never been able to know why uh, I f***ed it up. Holy bleep. I cannot believe this guy just said that. I cannot believe this guy just acknowledged that he effed it up. I mean, sure, it's not exactly news that he bleeped it up with Jimma and that he destroyed, like, the best thing ever. I'm just glad that he finally got around to owning the one thing that the rest of the entire planet already knew. The thing that he himself did. One of the worst decisions in the history of the NFL. I'm just glad that he owned that before they did put him in the ground. How desperate must this old guy be to get people to look at him and talk about him that he finally, finally played that card? Finally. Then again, what's left after circumcising a mosquito, talking about Zeke Elliott spanking himself in the locker room? Pretty much nothing. You know, dude sitting around thinking, dang, no one is looking at me. No one is talking about me. What can I do that I haven't already done to get people to make it about me? Oh, I know. Screw it. I'll play the JJ card. It's time. Yo, everyone, gather around. I got something to tell you. I bleeped up that Jimma thing pretty badly. Yeah, thanks for letting us in, Pops. Thanks for letting us know, Pops. Anyway, it's good to have you back. And thank you very much for adding to our famous, already famous, Jera mix. Circumcising the mosquito. It was like crep night. And your hand was almost severed off. Get in that foxhole with somebody that hadn't been shot at. The eyes getting smaller. What do you mean? Wanted to get both you little on this couch. It's like holding two handfuls of jello. It's a little darling. There's a pony in here somewhere. This quarterback Wheaton can drive the ball downfield. And either die bleeding to death or shock. Well, old Dr. Jones with my rubber glove is going to make sure every one of you are safe. I heard bells. We just had a great experience. Spanking himself as he emulates riding the horse. Visions of sugar plums around here. How could you this up? Welcome back. My man's the best. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkled donut. There is a ton in the world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, or finally understanding all these terms that your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Learn about these investment products and more at Investor.gov, your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. I'm talking about Jalen Johnson. Jalen, good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. So you and I spoke last year in the middle of that X1 rookie season. Now you're getting ready for your second year. How much different does it feel coming into this season with that year of NFL play under your belt? I mean, it feels really different. You know what to expect now. So, I mean, just having that year under your belt, you just have a better feel for the game mentally, physically, um, just what the process is going to be like going through season, what the game weeks look like, just how to prepare. So just your confidence and your mind is at an all-time ease versus last year going into it, trying to figure everything out. So, I mean, I'm feeling really good. Body's feeling good. Mind is um, prepared. So, I mean, just 
a whole different feel, honestly. My man, this is exactly the way you sounded when you and I spoke last year, talking about mind and body. I respect that a lot. Jalen Johnson joining us. You know, I, to give you an idea or the listeners an idea of what kind of a year you had, in the offseason, the team released Kyle Fuller, which means that you're now the number one cornerback on that team. It says a lot about what you did as a rookie and how quickly you've established yourself. What does that honor mean to you? And then how did you go about approaching this season as a result of that and that increased responsibility? I mean, honestly, I don't know how I honestly felt about Kyle leaving. I feel like it was some things that went on. I don't think it was as clear-cut as, okay, we want Jalen to be number one. But, I mean, I feel like it just ended up being put on to me once some things couldn't happen a certain way, and, and they ended up making making that decision to let him go. So, I mean, it's just about stepping into that responsibility. Um, but, I mean, definitely he was a big-time player for the Bears for many years and somebody that I looked up to. Um, and somebody that I felt confident um, to be able to play alongside of. So, I mean, now it's honestly just being able to take everything that he taught me just from professionalism, just from being able to prepare the right way, take care of your body. Just a lot of those things that he had taught me now is just going to be more enhanced and more important than ever being that I now have to be that number one guy as he was. So, I mean, for, I mean, for me, it's just about being able to go out there and play and be consistent as he was. Jalen Johnson, my guest, you know, you're saying the types of things that guys normally say, well, for instance, some guys never actually figure it out. You're saying, though, things that I hear from guys who have been in the league several years. You're now in your second year, as I mentioned. Like, when you look back on last season, what was the transition from college to the NFL like? For instance, it's supposed to be really tough. You made it look relatively easy. I know you're going to tell me, look, it was not easy. But what was that transition like? And was it easy on any level for you? I mean, for me, honestly, it was it was more mental and being able to really be locked in consistently. Because, I mean, from a physical standpoint, honestly, it didn't feel too big of a difference. And, I mean, honestly, the times where I feel like I did get beat, it was always my fault. I don't think it was really too many times where I got beat and I was like, okay, that was just a great play. But I knew right when something happened, I was like, okay, I should have did this or I knew it was coming. I didn't trust it. So, I mean, honestly, for me, it's just about being consistent and trying to play at an A level um, all the time and not go from an A to a B to a C back to an A. It was just always about being consistently at a high level. So, I mean, for me, it's just being able to get to a mental point to where you're really consistent in your technique, really consistent in your reads, um, and being able to know what the offense is doing and things like that, just being more consistent and fine-tuned in everything that I'm doing. Jalen Johnson joining us. So, again, we're talking mindset. Like, one of the things you and I talked about when you came on last year was your mental approach and how you work at that. You were talking about how one of your favorite books was by Tim Grover. Grover's got a new book out, which is amazing. I like it even better than the book that you and I talked about, his new book. But what about mindset? Like, how would you describe your mindset when it comes to being great? What is the thing that drives you and motivates you? I mean, shit, I got a lot of factors. I mean, honestly, just I've just always wanted to be the best every time I played, every time I stepped on the field. That was just something that I wanted to do, just have my respect and just be able to win. Um, but, I mean, now I got a lot of different factors from my daughter and my family just being able to change the dynamics of the city of Fresno, like you were mentioning earlier in my introduction, just being able to change the culture of things, being able to change young kids' lives. So, I mean, I know... But there's a lot of things that I could, um, that I can change with this game of football and hopefully get into 
the second contract. It'll be life changing for not just me and my family, but other kids and other people um, that I can reach as well. So I mean, it's just just about being able to help out my loved ones and help out my city as best I can. I want to remind you all that Jalen Johnson is in his second year in the NFL. You know, this whole thing about I got to get to that second contract and I want to be able to change lives and I want to help out my family. You know, of course, your city as well. But this is interesting. You told the Bears official website last season, quote, all my checks have been going to a distant account. I haven't touched any of my NFL money. End of quote. I love that approach. So where did that philosophy come from? And have you allowed yourself to touch any of that NFL money now that you made it to the offseason? Um, that approach just came from the aspect of not being greedy. I mean, I didn't need too much. I mean, for me, I've never had the money to go out and just buy all the fancy clothes and things like that. So, I mean, when I got to the NFL, that just wasn't something I was focused on. I'd rather had prepared for the NFL, prepared instead of going out and spending money on clothes. I was just focused more on playing ball and let the pregame outfits come later on. So, I mean, I'd rather had looked good during the game than before the games. So, I mean, I didn't really care too much about spending too much money. So, I mean, I just kind of lived off as much marketing money as I was able to make during season. And then I actually did end up having to use some just because my marketing numbers weren't as what I thought they were going to be. So, I mean, I just, of course, had to make some decisions to keep being able to live. Um, but, I mean, some things have changed on that side. So, I mean, definitely having more opportunities and being able to stretch that back, stretch the marketing money back out. So, I mean, um, it's just about what's best for the situation at that time. And during season, I didn't have to use that money. So, I mean, now I'm just getting back to, hopefully not having to touch that money. Oh, man. Uh, I love that notion also that I'm trying to look good during the game and not before the game. And, of course, the rest will take care of itself. I did mention Fresno at the very top, and I love the fact that you rep Fresno. I love Central Cali, Fresno, Bakersfield, those parts of the state. What's it mean to you to be from Fresno? In fact, Jalen, for those who don't know, what was it like to grow up in Fresno? And then I'm really curious, what's it like now to live and work in Chicago? I mean, Fresno, it can be, depending on what side of the line you're on in Fresno, it can right. be uh, a good life or it can be the not-so-good life. So, I mean, honestly, it just depends on what you allow yourself to get caught up in because, I mean, it's definitely a fine line between being able to get out and being caught to society and what goes on from the gang-banging and violence and things like that, the drugs that come um, through the city. So, I mean, honestly, it's just about who, if you can just make it out of there, if you can survive your childhood, being able to keep your mind on the right track, not being able to get caught up around the people, around the wrong people. And I mean, there was plenty of times where I was around the wrong people, but it was just about being disciplined and not falling into it. And everybody knew who I was, of course. So it was never like people didn't know what I was after. So, I mean, even then, like it was it was just about making the right decisions at the end of the day. And sometimes you have to step away from the party. Sometimes you didn't have to go to the party or things like that. So, I mean, it was just about really knowing what you wanted and just being disciplined in every aspect of it. Um, because if not, then there's plenty of talent that could play in the NBA, could play in the NFL that is now lost on the streets. So, I mean, I just didn't want to be that person. So, I mean, just being able to stay disciplined in on my route to success. And then the city of Chicago is a whole different ball game. I mean, it's bright lights, downtown, city buildings. Like, it's a whole different, whole different look, whole different atmosphere. 
of people um, and a lot, a lot of business um, ventures come out of Chicago. I mean, they say it's the greatest city in in the world. So, I mean, just this year being in forward to being able to open back up, I'm looking forward to being able to experience it um, and really just feel how great the city really is. I love that response. And it's long been said, Jalen, you know this already, that if you're a successful athlete in Chicago, that's about as good a town as there is to be a successful athlete. One last thought. I know you're focused on your job and the defense. How much have you seen of Justin Fields so far, and what do you make of what you've seen from him? I mean, honestly, I don't think too much that everybody else doesn't think. I mean, we all know what he can do physically. He can throw the ball. He can run the ball. He definitely has a great feel, some of the throws. He was making them practice where they said, okay, that kind of confirmed what we what we all heard and just different things like that. He definitely can play the game of football. I feel like it's just going to be like for any other rookie, the Herbers last year, the Joe Burrow, just being able to figure it out more on a mental level um, and learn how to attack, how to approach the game, how to prepare. Just those things going into that first year that just any rookie has to learn. So, I mean, he's definitely going to, when he gets his opportunity, He's definitely going to make plays, um, but it's just about being able to fine-tune his mental attack and his mental approach to the game. So my wife Janet and I just celebrated our 24th anniversary, and I wanted to give her the perfect gift. And I'm looking, and I'm looking, and then I found it. It was right there. I discovered paintyourlife.com. See, this is great because we have a son in college, and we're kind of moving around, and it's tough to get everybody together. But I found a way to do it safely. And when I heard about that at PaintYourLife.com, I thought, man, that is an amazing idea. But it's got to cost a fortune, right? That's got to be so expensive. Wrong. These paintings are truly affordable, and the quality is absolutely amazing. Get a professional, hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. It's such an original, unbelievable idea. At PaintYourLife.com, there is no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited-time offer, you get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off. And free shipping. Best offer ever. To get it, text the word Rome to 64000. That's 64000. Text Rome to 64000. Paint Your Life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text Rome to 64000. As always, if I only talk about what you want to talk about, I will be you and not me. Does that make sense? You know, like the the so-called proverbial head coach, that if he concerns himself so much with what the fans think, he will be up there in the stands with them. That's like me and you, clones. If I only do what you want me to do, if I only talk about what you want me to talk about, clones, I will be a clone and not a host. So, let's stay on topic. Last night, the Kraken held their expansion draft. There are a lot of items to discuss coming out of this draft. First of all, what do you make of their plan going into the draft? Follow closely. What do you make of their plan going into the draft? How well did they execute said plan? How did their expansion strategy compare to the one that Vegas used that took them all the way to the Stanley Cup final in their first year? Did the Kraken make the right call by not picking Carey Price in the draft? These are all really relevant questions. So many things to talk about, 
But the only thing that any of you seem to want to get into is a guy who's not even a member of the Kraken. Yes, my man, Sean Kemp. And I'm talking about him because I want you to stop talking about him. I'd ask why you want to talk about an NBA legend when the topic is hockey, but I already know the answer. The answer is because it involves two things that many of you ghouls love most of all. An ill-fitting shirt and a potentially mispronounced name. It's who you are. It's what you do. It's where you live. You love that. You love that. So let me get this out of the way quickly. Yes, I saw the expansion draft last night. If you want to have a conversation about the Kraken strategy, we can do that. I would love to do that. If you want to talk about a pair of Seattle legends, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp showing up to rep the Kraken and pump up the fans, we can do that. However, if you want to talk about Sean Kemp's t-shirt, keep your ass moving. I don't need your prawn Kemp tweets. Or your Sean unkempt zingers. I don't need it. I don't want it. I'm not here for it. But I will play a clip here. And I want you to focus on the critical part. All right? Are you evolved enough? Are you mature enough? Are you responsible enough? Are you smart enough, morons? Listen. Disappoint some Avalanche fans. All right, we took... uh... Jonas Denskali. <laughs> Jonas Denskali. That's what we got. That's the brand. There you go. A nice pick for Seattle. You get a guy who's coming off a career-high 17 goals. He did it in just 51 games. That's nice. And yes, I'm fine with Kemp's pronunciation. Was it perfect? No. But it's not like this guy just called Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thompson. On behalf of President Medik, I'm glad to welcome you all and to welcome Isaiah Thompson as FIU's basketball coach. Jonas Denskali. You see, but some of you losers on Twitter want to kill this guy for that. And they want to absolutely crush him for his shirt. All right. Yes, the t-shirt that he was wearing may have been a little bit tight. No, it was not a great look. Yes, it looked like he rolled in fresh off that lockout where he gained, I don't know, a C note or whatever it was, and somebody hit him with a kid's medium T. That's not on him. That's on whoever was providing the shirts. You do know that Sean Kemp is 6'10", right? And a six-time All-Star. And one of the fiercest competitors that that city's ever seen. You couldn't have hooked that guy up with a shirt that fit. Look, I'm not saying that he's at his Seattle playing weight. Hell, we all know that. Everyone except the person charged with getting him that t-shirt knew that. Besides, even if he was still at that playing weight, when he was running with the glove and jumping over the backboard... There is no way that schmedium tee was going to fit him, even back then. I'm not here to crush Sean Kemp for that shirt. I'm here to celebrate this guy for that shirt. Man, how good of a sport is my guy to rock that shirt? 
Somebody gave him a shirt that he knew was not going to fit. Somebody gave him a shirt that he knew was going to make him look fat. And yet he threw it on anyway. Why? To rep the city hard. To get everybody fired up. And don't say, yeah, Rome, he's a great sport. But he's not in great shape. In fact, he's fat as bleep. You know what? He's not. And even if he were, who cares? Seriously, who cares? I don't care. Especially since I know all of you who are going there are fatter than he is. Besides, my man's 51 years old. He has not played an NBA game in 18 years. He worked his ass off in his playing career. He should enjoy retirement. And from the looks of things, he is. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. As long as you've got that rock in your hand and there's a glass house in front of you, are you in better shape now than you were 18 years ago? Yeah, that's what I thought. So I don't want to hear that he's treating that cotton the way he treated out in Lister. Just because you're referencing one of the most vicious dunks in NBA history does not mean that you get to dunk on the Rain Man himself. And yes, I know that the Gain Man rhymes with Rain Man. Just as I know you're not funny. You're not creative. It's just not bright. There's no need to hear from the Strain Man, the Crane Man. I mean, I seriously doubt that that small shirt was his choice. I've got a hard time imagining that they came at him with a full rack of shirts. And he said, you know, yeah, I'll take that youth large over there. It'll show my guns. I want to put on a gun show for the folks. Man, they did this guy wrong. They just did him dirty. It's on them, not on him. So I don't need to hear that he looks more like post-lockout Sean Kemp. And that Sean Kemp should be locked out of the kitchen. You know, again, clones, hilarious stuff. For the record, dopes. He thought they weren't coming back from the lockout that year. So he put on 35 or 50 or, I don't know, 75, whatever the number was. You think that if he knew they were coming back from the lockout, he would have allowed that to happen? I I don't know what the number is, and I don't care. I don't care. Why do you? Why is it? Let's get right down to it, clones. Why is it that anytime any athlete or celebrity gains a pound or 50, your life is somehow better for it? All right, let's have a conversation. You and me right now. Think about that for a minute. How did your life improve because their cholesterol just went up? I've never understood the correlation. The fatter they get, the better your life is. That math does not work, or at least it shouldn't. Can I repeat that? The fatter they get, the better your life gets. That's bad math. So he looked like he was going to be the starting left tackle for the Browns and not a power forward for the Cavaliers. Exactly what is your point? It was more than 20 years ago. Move on, idiots. Trust me, he has. This is a guy who's been through some stuff. And he's still showing up and repping that city. I love it. Again, if you want to hype Gary Payton, who I love, if you want to hype Sean Kemp, 
for hyping the Kraken, you go right ahead. But if you're here to say, damn, Rome, you check out the glove and the bib, keep moving. Don't come in here with your dumb jokes about how that T-shirt is cracking at the seams. Or that stage is cracking beneath them. Because it's just beneath you. Well, maybe not beneath you, but believe it's beneath me. I'm not going to dignify that bullcrap. My man's a good sport. He's repping the team. They did him wrong. And he is still back in the Kraken. He should have just said... If you only had that youth large, I'm going to go with the shirt that I'm already wearing. Thank you. Except he threw it on, man. Or painted it on. Whatever he did, he did it to rep the team. That's a guy leading from the front. That should be celebrated, not mocked. And remember, him being fat does not make you slim. Or smart. Or successful. Or funny. And it's definitely not making this show better. So stop doing it. Come on. Hey, Rome. Did Sean pick up all that weight that Big Ben just dropped? (laughs) Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business and be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL and speak to a Dell Technologies advisor today. Darius Butler. Darius, what's going on? Good to have you back. How are you? What's up, Jim? Good to be back, man. Good to have you back. All right, so let me ask you this. Like Back when you were playing, what was this time of year like for you? The last few days before camp, were you fired up to get to work and get in, or were you kind of dreading it like, damn, man, this is all going to start again right now? <laughs> uh, you know, some people didn't like uh, training camp. Uh, I enjoy training camp, man. It's when you really um, you flip that switch as a player. And um, you know, you, you, it's all about football again. You know, that that becomes the, the you know the main priority, the main thing is the main thing. Um, you've done a bunch of things your off season, probably traveled, done some different things with the family, um, have made some gains as far as being a player and a professional, and uh, made a, hopefully a bunch of deposits in this off season, especially this off season when you haven't been around the team and the facility as much. And um, hopefully, you're confident in the in the work that you put in. And now it's time to start taking those withdrawals out and. Um, you know, start putting all your energy towards your craft. So it's fun, man. You're around the guys more. You're around football again. Everybody's excited for football season. I know I am. It seems like more than than ever. But um, so it, it's a fun, exciting time. It's like I, going back to school. I actually like that answer a lot. That's like one of those things where I'd say, hey, man, how would you feel about that? And you gave me a much better answer than the question itself. So I appreciate it. <laughs> Let me ask you about the Rams. I've been trying to get to this, Darius, this week. I haven't, so I'm glad that I got you here to talk about this. They suffered a pretty serious blow when Cam Akers tore his Achilles. I mean, that's gutting for him to be sure. How big of a blow is that for the team and the offense? Um, it's a big blow. Um, you, you definitely saw, uh, you know, his, his promise last year. Uh, he didn't get a huge sample size. He started five games, I think played in 12 or 13. But you saw the talent, and you were excited about his future and his role in the offense, especially with the um, addition of Stafford at quarterback. Um, so I definitely think it's a big blow. But um, 
in that system and with McVeigh with McVeigh you can you can kind of plug in um, running backs and that's one of those positions that you can kind of get good production from players that you don't really expect to um, from sometimes we saw it, we see it happen all around the league every year so I think they'll definitely adjust and if it's one quarterback in the league um, that's comfortable playing with a, a you know a subpar running game it'll be Stafford he'll, he'll, I think he'll be kind of used to that and he'll have more weapons around him and probably better offensive coaching than he's had his entire career. So I think the Rams will still be all right. I had a um, laugh. You know, going to the I, I'm sorry. I had to laugh. You're right. If there's one quarterback <laughs> in the league that's used to playing with a subpar running back or a running game that's not above board, it's that guy. He spent his entire career dealing with that in Detroit. You know, when you talk about Stafford, Darius Butler, my guest, like the NFC West was going to be tough no matter what. You and Antoine Bethea had a pretty interesting conversation on the podcast earlier today about who the best quarterback in the NFC West is. As a DB, which quarterback scares you the most in that division? Yeah, man, we got that question from uh, from one of the li- listeners at the live show this morning, and uh, you know, it, at first he gave me a pause, and then I'm like, oh, Russell Wilson. I guess an, that's an easy answer, and um, that that was my answer, and, and AB was kind of like, whoa, like you you answered that kind of you know way too fast, and he kind of was like, you know, what about Stafford, and you know who he is as a quarterback and a player, and now he's with LA and these different things. And uh, but for me, it's, it's Russell Wilson. Um, that's an easy, uh, clear answer for me. I think when it's all said and done, he'll be he'll go down as one of the great quarterbacks in this league. Now, if Stafford goes deep into the playoffs and wins the Super Bowl, I think that completely changes the narrative, obviously going forward. But right now, for me, it'll be Russell Wilson. Um, you know, honestly, it's probably a toss up between Jimmy G and Matt Stafford. After that, for me, um, you know, Jimmy G's a couple years removed from taking his team to the Super Bowl. Obviously, missed some big throws. But, um, you know, he's done it. He's a, a winner. He showed to be a winner when he's out there. And I just haven't seen that consistently from Stafford. We've definitely seen the talent. And obviously, Kyler Murray, he can take another step as well. But right now, it's Russ. And then it's a toss-up with Jimmy G and Stafford right behind him. That's a really interesting response. Darius Butler joining us. All right, you and I have talked in the past about Aaron Rodgers and the situation in Green Bay. Like, we don't know the exact details when it comes to guaranteed money and all of that, but what do you make of that report that he turned down that extension with the Packers? Yeah, not not surprising, uh, from, at least from the reports. Like you said, I don't feel like we know much. Um, you know, all of us, I would say, collectively don't know much. We know that he has a problem with the GM. And we know that he wants out pretty much. Um, it, it never really seems much about the money. Obviously, he's made a ton, ton of money. Um, and usually that's the first thing you go to when it comes to, um, you know, athletes and business. But, um, you know, business is about people, too. And you know this. Um, you've been very successful in business. A lot of it is about people. And it's the same way in those locker rooms and um, in these organizations. And sometimes people and teams and uh, you know, people can overcome certain situations and relationships, and sometimes they can't. Sometimes guys just have enough, and especially in the environment that we're in now um, with sports as a whole. Um, you know, in quarterbacks, and whether it's basketball players, but quarterbacks, you know, they, they want a certain amount of uh, input and, and power and respect, and uh, I think Aaron has earned that. And, um, you know, I'm sure Brian and his role as a GM, his role isn't really to pacify players and make everyone feel happy and, and feel great about their job. I'm sure it's a lot of people on that Packers roster who aren't, um, you know, head over heels about them, some of the moves that they've made. So um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fine balance that they'll have to figure out. I still think ultimately he's the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers this year, um, but I don't think it was, uh, it was ever about money. So I wasn't surprised at him, um, you know, turning that deal down. But at least it shows that Green Bay is trying to do something 
uh, to get 12 back in that building and put a smile on his face. Talking to Darius Butler for a few more moments. All right, also in terms of quarterbacks, like if you were Sean Payton, let me jump into this. Who would your starting quarterback be in week one, Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, and why, Darius? Yeah, uh, we talked about it. I asked AB, I said, if you were in that locker room, who would you want to be the quarterback? And he gave the same answer I would, and that's Jason, uh, uh, Jameis Winston, easily. Um, you know, we've seen him perform – um, high level, low level, we've seen him struggle, we've seen him succeed in the NFL, but we've seen him do it. We've seen his body of work. We saw it in college, you know, undefeated season, national champion, number one overall pick. We've seen him throw for 5,000 yards, 30 picks, 30 touchdowns, but we've seen it. He sat behind Drew Brees. Um, he got LASIK. Uh, he, he's got more experience in the system with Sean Payton. Um, obviously, Taysom Hill has been there, and he's been kind of a, a Swiss Army knife. And, and going into a game, uh, going into training camp, going into a season, um, if I'm a player in there in my seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth year, and I'm trying to win a championship, I'm going for an all-time great with Drew Brees. I want the passing that guard to be with the guy that I know at least has gone through the hoops, everything but the pregame speech. He leave the pregame speech to somebody else, but as far as being a player, I like his potential going. He has around him, and I think they could be a good football team. Not saying that they couldn't be good with Tatum. I just think it's much. It's a much bigger question mark there. And um, when it's a quarterback competition and a battle going into training camp, going into a season, I just think I just don't think that's ever a good feeling. I know as a teammate, that's not a good feeling. You want to have your guy that you know is going to rally the troops, and we're going to um, you know go into battle with week in and week out. Dude, he's got everything except the pregame speech. <laughs> everything, oh, man. Man, man. I love his offseason workout. You know, he competes. Um, he, he played through a lot of injuries during the end um, there in Tampa as well. So you know he's a warrior. That's important to have a warrior at the quarterback position. So you know he's that. Um, so I, I like Jameis. Man. I think he's a good kid, and I think he has his head on right. He works hard, and I think the combination with him and Peyton and sitting behind Drew Brees, sometimes that's important to get that other uh, point of view. You know, you're sitting on the bench. You're in the meeting room. You're behind the starter. He's been a starter for, I'm sure, most of his life. So to get that different um, experience, um, sometimes that does wonders for a player. No, I agree. I, I love the decision that he made when he did that. He did throw for 5,000 yards, and we'll see. Hey, really quickly, what do you make of Nick Saban saying that Bryce Young, who might be a starting quarterback, is getting somewhere near a million dollars in endorsement <laughs> money? What do you make of that? I, I mean, it, it's great. It's great for the players, obviously. It's obviously great for Alabama recruiting. I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, that's incredible. And now we're going to be talking about college sports next year. The season's going forward. We're going to be talking about who's the highest paid positions in which conference and things going like that. So it's crazy. It's going to be the wild, wild west. And my first thought, honestly, was I wonder if somehow, somewhere, this money is funneled right from the boosters or whoever's supporting the programs and saying, hey, we're going to just, this is just another way to recruit better players. Is We're just going to make sure that they're the highest paid. And um, if you trace that money, I'm sure – in some of these situations, I'm not saying the Alabama situation, but I'm sure in some of these situations that'll be the case. So it's, it's going to be interesting with the whole Neil thing in college, but I'm glad that players are getting a piece of the pie. But it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. I agree with you, by the way. Darius Butler joining us. All right, speaking of basketball, this came up. I had your co-host, A.B., on the show. We talked about the fact that he was hosting that basketball <laughs> tournament and that you thought that he was good for six to eight points based on hustle plays, setting picks, and A.B. said, quote, quote, you have a lot of hot takes, a lot of unnecessary takes, a lot of foolish takes, end of quote. My man, how do you respond to that? 
You know, I, I wouldn't say foolish. I wouldn't say unnecessary. Some of them are maybe. I just say. I just think. I just say them a little bit before a lot of other people say them. But uh, AB's on his high horse right now with hoops. He picked the Bucks and six, and he was right with that. But if I had to compare AB's game to somebody we just saw in the finals, I would say he's he's like a Bobby Portis. You know, he's gonna bring that energy. He's gonna bring. He's gonna do the dirty work. He's gonna hit shots when you need him to. And uh, he's going to be that type of guy. So he'll still have a key to the city. He's a champ. Man. AB's a champ, man. I love him. love going back and forth with him uh, on the pod. But uh, we had a lot of fun with that, man. But uh, that, was, that, was, that was fun, man. Shout out to the Bucks too, man. Congrats to Greek Freak and the Bucks on winning that chip. They, they damn sure, they shocked the hell out of me. Darius, let me ask you something. When you look at Giannis, I mean, never mind his great athleticism, what a great man. dude he is. Explain this to me. Like, how do you take a guy with a major, major weakness like he had – free throw shooting and have him show up in a closeout game the way he did and knock him down like that. As a great athlete, how do you explain that? Mindset. And that's 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 an ultimate separator when it comes to um, you know, athletes and not only just athletes, just performers, competitors and, and he went to a different zone and in that closeout game he smelled blood in the water and it didn't matter what was going on around him. It didn't matter what was going on in Phoenix. It didn't matter what his teammates that were struggling on offense. He had the mindset that I'm winning this game. I'm going to be the reason we win this game. You're either going to have to stop me or foul me. And then he gets to the line and locks in and, and goes 90%. I mean, it was one of the more incredible uh, finals performances that I've ever seen. And uh, we, we started this debate. I'm like, going into next season, it's hard. Even with his deficiencies, um, shooting the ball, you know, at least you see him attempting those shots. We saw in the closeout game in the biggest moment of his life. He was hitting little floaters and little turnaround jumpers and a three-pointer. And, you know, those, those type of things pay dividends. You see a guy like Ben Simmons who doesn't even attempt those shots. So for him to continue to attempt, and you see the ability that there's so much room in his game to grow, and he's only 26, man, it's a, it's a scary, scary sight for um, the rest of the NBA going forward with Giannis. And if he's playing with that mindset, man, it, it's, I mean, it was, it was incredible. James, good to have you. James, what's up? Jimmy, what's happening, my man? Cruising down I-5 right now. Phone to my ear because I've been on hold for a while. Johnny Law's got me pulled over right now, but uh, he's at his motorcycle, so we'll bang this one out. And uh, War of the Kraken, hockey in the Northwest. Woo! I heard Ritz a fan already since the fan, blaze, fan base is glossing themselves crackheads. And I hope my boy Alvy's not crying like Jerry Jones today since all the clones are ripping on his idol, Sean Kemp. And real quick, Jim, props to James Kelly, the big head, and his Scott Foster Chris Paul algorithm. Dude, big head, you're the new crypto, my man. And Alvy, what's up, my man? I missed you so much, brother. Jim, could you imagine Alvy as an Olympian walking around the Olympic Village, not with a gold medal wrapped around his neck, but the golden magnum dangling from his neck, Jimmy? Seriously, imagine all the female athletes sneaking in Alvy's cardboard bed, snuggling under Alvy's blankie, which of course by now is a piece of sheetrock. And can you just say Olympic erotica? And just to recap, a cardboard bed, no booze, no condoms, and no sex. Is this the Olympics or Vic and NoCal's life? War Dan in Denver having more hair on his shoulders from Ritt than he's ever had on his own head. Come on, and I'm getting a ticket for this one, Jimmy. Love you, brother. My man, you are getting a ticket for this one. A golden ticket.
Give it to him, Alvin. Golden ticket. I got a golden ticket. That dude's wild. Let's go to Houston. Jerome. What's going on, Jerome? How you doing, Tans Mac? Good to be back in the jungle. I am so thrilled. I tell you, this is probably the second happiest day in my life because the first happiest day of my life is when the University of Texas Longhorns actually go to the SEC. I mean, I get thrilled watching them get their ass kicked by Kansas and Kansas State. I can't wait till they get in the likes of Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee. Hey, hell, even Vanderbilt's going to whoop their ass because they ain't worth a damn. And the worst part is, is these Longhorn fans. The Longhorn, I have nothing against the university. The Longhorn fans are the most obnoxious, nastiest, stupidest people on the face of the earth, and I cannot wait until they go. I say go now. Go to the SEC now. Go get your ass kicked by everybody, and I will be more thrilled than I am right now. Thanks for the line. I love your show. You're the best. I'm out. You got to rock it, man. Slow Rome has never been more fired up. That was Slow Rome getting nice like that. Ray in SA on line number three. Ray, what's going on with you? How are you? Dan Smack, bye. Doing good. How you doing? Good, dude. Good. Where are you? Uh, I am in L.A., and uh, this cycling degenerate has been cruising around L.A. doing my JTP tour to L.A., uh, I've been meeting different clones. I met Silk, Rich Flores, Drew in West L.A., Matt in L.A., Polly in Baldwin Park, Fabian, believe it or not, Manny in Oxnard, Lewis in Palmdale, and I've been trying to meet up with uh, Beaks in Studio City. Dude, it sounds to me like you've hit everybody except me and Beaks. So what's it been like? Uh, man, the clones, the SoCal clones have been awesome. Uh, they rolled out the red carpet. They uh, Silk set up a, a, a meeting last Saturday at Kits. Uh, they've been great. My oh, man. All right. So you did it. You had your own little clone stock. So what's left on the agenda? Just Beaks? How long are you going to be here, and what do you do now? I'm leaving tomorrow. Uh, I, I'm going to try to meet up with Beaks sometime. Uh, believe it or not, you know what? Fabian was crazy. I've already met up with him. He wants to meet up again. And I'm like, Fabian, I'm going to try. I got a lot of people on the list, but I don't know. So what was your time like with Fabes? And did you fist bump him? And did it hurt? <laughs> fist, uh, Fabian has a massive fist bump. <laughs> Rolling with Fabian, he's throwing out $2 bills to everybody left and right. And we, we went to uh, Dave and & Buster's, and he wants to take me to King Taco. Dennis Dodd. Dennis, good to have you back. How are you, Dennis? Jim, I am great. So glad to be back. How are you? Good, good. In fact, I'm great. It's great to have you, especially with the topic at hand. Take me back to yesterday. I've got to know, Dennis, what was your reaction when the Houston Chronicle reported that Texas and Oklahoma had reached out to the SEC about joining? It was, in a journalistic sense, a bombshell. Uh, There were a bunch of sports writers on the second floor of the Winfrey Hotel here running around checking their phones, trying to call people, trying to source this. And, it, Jim, it's, it's going to end up being, if it comes about, one of the biggest events in college athletics, really history. When you talk about two of the biggest brand names 
in college sports going to the best college uh, conference that, that is out there. It's still being worked out, but it's it's kind of trending towards there right now. I mean, yeah, a bombshell to say the least. Dennis, now as you wrote for CBSSports.com, it was not that long ago, for instance, that the Big 12 had a conference call about the possible college football playoff expansion. And on that call, the topic of conference realignment came up. How did Oklahoma handle that on that call? Well, the Oklahoma president, well, first of all, someone raised the, the prospect on the call. Does this, does the expanded playoff, 12-team playoff that's coming, does that suggest another round of conference realignment? And the Oklahoma president, you know, chimed in on his own and said, no, we, we could never have been more happy. I, I don't think it does. Um, in fact, that was kind of the feeling throughout the Big 12. Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner last week at the media day, said we've never been stronger. And I myself, Jim, thought that I thought that the new playoff would kind of tamp down realignment. In other words, everybody's where they want to be. The money's going to be so big that everybody gets paid. And then this comes out, and I, I'm, I'm not I'm not suggesting for a second that uh, Oklahoma was disingenuous because I think the president really felt that at the time. There are only a handful of people that knew about this until yesterday. So this is this is new. We're talking to Dennis Dodd. So what about? I mean, obviously, Dennis, you just made the point. We know what this is about. It's about what it's always about. It's about money. Yep. From Texas's standpoint, based on your reporting, who was leading the charge for this at Texas? There is a regent's chair named Kevin Eltife. Uh He was appointed in 2019 by the governor, uh, Governor Abbott, and he was leading the charge for Texas in that he may have had contact with the SEC without without participation by Oklahoma, but but you know with Oklahoma's uh, wishes in mind, and it was his opinion, from what I've been able to ascertain, that again the playoff was going to cause uh, instability in college sports, and that Texas deserves you know stability, and what better stability is there than the best conference in the country? So. That's where it is right now. I've been able to, since then, confirm that Oklahoma on its own had interest. Um, and there is a conference call tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern with the Big 12 CEOs and presidents. And Oklahoma and Texas are expected to participate. Dennis Dodd joining us. All right, so if this were to go down, how quickly could all of this take place? Well, that's, that's the next step. You know, when and how. How soon? Uh, the initial report said there could be something coming in two weeks. There are a lot of people that think that Texas and Oklahoma could be playing in the SEC by 2022, but that, that's where it gets really complicated. There's a thing called a, gra- a grant of rights that the Big 12 has that all the teams sign, and basically it says if you leave the Big 12, the conference retains your TV rights. So obviously that's going to keep everybody together. But I think what will happen is that will be negotiated or there will be a long, drawn-out legal battle, which, frankly, Texas and Oklahoma, Oklahoma could probably afford. Um, there's already been a report that Oklahoma State's going to burn the house down to keep these two teams in over that, you know, over that agreement. So that, that's, that's the, the how, part of the how, the when. There's four years to go on that contract. I don't think, I don't think these, these entities can coexist for four more years. If only they just did this dalliance with the SEC. That would be very uncomfortable. Talking to Dennis Dodd. So, Dennis, you mentioned the conference call for some of the leaders within the conference. If you were the Big 12 conference right now, like how bad of a 24-hour period has this been, and how concerned would you be? 
uh, the worst since 10 years ago when we had that last round of realignment. And they lost Texas, uh, Missouri, Colorado. Um, I, I think you'd be gra- gravely concerned if you're the Big 12 right now because as it stands right now, there's no there there for the Big 12 if they lose Texas and Oklahoma. They're two of the biggest, again, brand names in college sports. And where do you go to fill for them? There aren't two teams in the country that come anywhere close to filling the void of those two teams in terms of juice, in terms of bringing $37 million to the table annually, which is what Big 12 uh, teams get. So they, there is a very real possibility the Big 12 could go away. We could be in for an era of super conferences, 16 teams each. And this is going to demand a response from the likes of the Big 10, which now pays the most money per school in college athletics, over $50 million a year. They can't sit here and watch the SEC take control and teams are going to make what I estimated to be $60 million with those two teams. They're going to add somebody. And where do they go? Dennis Dodd expertly breaking this down. So, Dennis, what about the SEC? I mean, clearly you see why Texas and Oklahoma would have an interest sure. in the SEC. Is the SEC as interested in them as they are the SEC? Yeah, I think they are. There's a voting procedure where they would have to get 75% approval you saw Texas A&M here yesterday, their AD, uh, Ross Bjork, saying we want to remain the only SEC school in Texas. That's why they got out of uh, the Big 12. They didn't want to be with Texas anymore. But I think they can be talked in off the ledge, especially, again, when you're going to pay upwards of $60 million. You know, that the green stuff talks all the time. But, you know, I, I can kind of find three votes. I don't know if I can find four that would scuttle it. But whenever it's announced, and if it's announced, It'll be unanimous. That's the way they do business here. Dennis Dodds joining us for a few more moments. He's at SEC Media Days. Dennis, from a football standpoint, how do you think Texas and OU would stack up in the SEC? Wouldn't they be giving up an easier road to the playoff by going to the SEC? Yeah, they would. And that's why I thought there was a pretty solid match in the Big 12 because it was easier to win championships for them in the Big 12 than it would be in the SEC. Now, you can laugh at Texas whenever they've been down since 2009. But in the SEC, they would be, and, I, and I've estimated, you know, given the history and tradition and everything, Oklahoma would be, what, about the fourth, uh, you know, the fourth-ranked program in that league, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, maybe ahead of them, and Texas might be somewhere around fifth. But you have to understand that the expanded playoff and, you know, if, you're, if you only have to go 9-3 and three and 10-2 and two to get in if you have the right schedule, which is the truth, you might as well go 9-3 and three or 10-2 and two in the SEC and get paid all that money, which is going to be much more than the Big 12. And I think that's the logic. I think that's the rationale. And Dennis, really quickly, one big-picture question. Like, when you step back from this, what is the expansion of the college football playoff and then the changes to name, image, and likeness mean for the sport of college football on the whole? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, long story short, I think it's just going to lead to professionalism of the sport, whatever that looks like. And I'm not even saying it's necessarily a bad, a bad thing. Players are going to be paid um, – for, for playing football. I think it's come to that. You're going to see some sort of unionization or trade association with the players. But again, I don't think that matters to the Ohio State or Michigan fan in late November going to watch that game. I don't think there's an amount of money they can earn that will turn people off from going to that game, from watching the games, because it's still college football. It's just going to change radically off the field. 
So final thought, earlier this week, of course, Nick Saban said that quarterback Bryce Young had made, quote, almost seven figures, right, in name, image, and likeness compensation. Dennis, we know Nick is always recruiting. How much of that was a recruiting pitch to every high school player in the country? The whole thing. Uh, I wrote about it yesterday. It doesn't even have to be true, Jim. The the mere fact that Nick Saban said it says you can come to Alabama and earn a million dollars a year in NIL. You got a shot. It's, it's curious that their NIL platform that's in-house is named The Advantage, you think? Um, you know, I, I think, Nick, really quickly, we celebrate the three-year anniversary, three-week anniversary of NIL today, looked around the country and saw, wait a minute, this gives a leg up to USC, Miami, who don't have great football teams, but have that NIL potential. Little old Tuscaloosa, if I throw out the seven-figure line, Every player in the country wants to go to Alabama if they don't already. It, it, it was brilliant. It was a brilliant piece of recruiting. Yeah, and let's also remember that he said it about a player who hasn't played yet, right? So it's seven figures, yeah. and he hasn't played yet. <laughs> Just keep that in mind, everybody. Right. Very, yeah, very Nick of him. career passes, and, he, and he's got one mil in the uh, – well, the possibility of one mil in the bank. Good night now!